what do you want to achieve by founding a business? Because it's a long journey, right? It's a big commitment. The motivations are really important because what you're in it for is like for the end outcome. I think it'd be very easy to be disappointed and frustrated. You have to be in it for the journey itself, or at least that's the way I see it. That's Hiroki Takeuchi, co-founder and CEO of Go Cardless. From small businesses to enterprises, Go Cardless makes it easy to collect payments from customers worldwide. By simplifying the transaction process, they help reduce operating costs and improve cash flow to help businesses grow. On this episode of Think Like a Founder, we talk about catching the startup bug, not outsourcing your core value, and the excitement of the unknown. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. When you were a student at Oxford, a student society, the Oxford Entrepreneurs, got you interested in the world of startups. Can you describe how your involvement impacted your own path to becoming a founder? What was it about it that sparked you? I didn't really know anything about startups or the world of business or anything when I got to university. And so it was quite lucky, really, because someone in the year above dragged me along to this society called Oxford Entrepreneurs, and they were really trying to celebrate the kind of the entrepreneurial path, I guess. And then the context was that, uh, and still largely is, that everyone from Oxford would go and like into the same career paths, right? They go and become lawyers, bankers, consultants. And no one was really thinking about startups at the time. And so I found it really eye-opening and just made me really aware of the different paths that you can follow. And the idea of building something from scratch was something that was incredibly exciting and appealing for me. So I guess that's where I sort of first caught the bug of, of startups. But I still didn't really know anything about what building a startup meant, right? I just knew it was a path that could exist and was an option. And some of the friendships that I forged in that society were really foundational for me because they gave me an opportunity to go and see their world, right? And some of the people that were a bit above me at university went on to start their own businesses, go over to Silicon Valley and had some fantastic successes since. Through those connections, I was able to go and see startups firsthand. I'll never forget when I was able to spend the summer interning at a startup and run by a couple of friends of mine who'd actually funnily enough teamed up with the the founders of stripe before they started stripe right it was the, their first startup and i interned there for a summer and you know it was literally just like six of us working in a in a two-bedroom flat and taking turns to share the air mattresses that we had on the floor that we didn't have enough for everyone to go around and and that whole thing it was just it was amazing and that was definitely the beginning of my entrepreneurial bar. While Hiroki may have caught the startup bug during that summer internship, he didn't become a founder right out of college. Instead, he took a job as a management consultant. I quite explicitly chose that path and the specific company that I went and joined because they ran this sort of two-year program, right? So it was like a graduate program. You work there for two years and then they kick you out. And, you know, most people go and do an MBA or they might go and work, you know, a bigger company for a few years. That was what attracted me because I thought, okay, well, I don't feel ready to start a business now, but I know this is something that I want to do. And I guess I figured if I get onto that kind of career path where you're on that treadmill and you're 
you know, constantly looking for the next bonus and the next promotion or whatever like that else. Yeah, I might never get off. This forces me to face this question again and make an explicit decision as to whether I'm going to do something or not. And that was what appealed to me a lot. But I definitely found the experience incredibly valuable because I didn't feel ready to start a business for a reason. And what's it take to be successful in a business? And I think that when your only real kind of points of reference for the business world before I got to university were being like Mr. Burns in The Simpsons or like Lex Luthor in Superman, it's like I had no concept of what it meant to be in a business. And so one of the things that was actually really refreshing about working in a consulting company was that I went and was able to work with many businesses and talk to and meet the leaders of these businesses. And what struck me was they were super talented people, really smart, amazing people, but they were humans as well, right? They were just regular people. And that gave me a lot of confidence. It made me think, okay, well, not anyone can do it, but if you put your mind to it, everyone's got a shot. And that made the whole idea of starting a business feel a little bit more accessible, I guess. So now once you decided to go all in on your startup, you actually taught yourself to code so you could build your own V1. What made you decide to do that? I've always been really into computers. So, you know, when I was growing up, I built my own PC. I used to love like gaming. And I remember when the internet first came about and like you had the cable running through your house that you dial up into and get in trouble with your parents for racking up big bills on and stuff. So, you know, I was always into all of that, right? I loved it. To be honest, if I'd been better informed when I was younger, I probably would have gone into computer science and learn how to code. I had this image of people being stuck, locked in a basement, made to write code, and it was this really unappealing kind of path. So I went and ended up doing maths. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. That's not any sexier, really. But when we were starting the business, it was clear to us that we want to start a tech company. Personally, I'd gone and seen the ecosystem in Silicon Valley, gone to a company that was going through the YC program at the time. That was kind of the promised land and where I wanted to go. But what I was really convinced of personally was if you are going to start a tech company, then the core of what you're building is, is technology, is code. I had this sense that you can't outsource your core value proposition. It would be like being a singer and then not actually singing on your own track. It doesn't make any sense. And so I thought it was really, really important that we were able to build at least the first version of the product ourselves. And so I spent the first six months after quitting my job just learning how to code. And I have to say, I'm a terrible coder. There is no code left in the company that I've written, which is just as well. But between me and then Tom, who was one of my co-founders who had a bit more of a technical background, we were able to at least cobble together the first version of our product. And I think that was quite fundamental. Did you always know you wanted to build your own thing, even as a kid? I've always been fascinated by like new things, building things, and the people that build them. Steve Jobs was definitely like a big hero of mine when I was growing up. I, I thought he was amazing and definitely felt like I would love to be able to build something myself one day. And that, I think, was part of what really drew me to the founder part. And then seeing this opportunity and this path where you could go a different route and instead of just going and having a career going and building something new I guess there was an adventure to that there was a sense of building that really appealed to me the whole purpose of this program is for people out there that have this itch and they don't know how to scratch it or they're scared to scratch it 
and it is dedicated to the founder. But there's something that they're supposed to do, or there's an interest, or there's ah,、oh, just this thing. What advice do you give them? There's a lot of people that I know that have that itch, but or they think they have the itch, but then they don't really want. Like, what do you want to achieve by founding a business? Because it's a long journey, right? It's a big commitment. The motivations are really important because if what you're in it for is like for the end outcome, I think it would be very easy to be disappointed and frustrated. You have to be in it for the journey itself, or at least that's the way I see it. There's low points, there's high points. It takes a lot longer than you think it's going to. Half the time, you don't know where it's going to go, but you're kind of having fun all along the way because you're in it for the whole experience. The thing I always feel like is the most important is really having that reflection of what makes you want to start a business. Why do you want to start a business? What do you want to get out of it? From my experience, I think it's a combination of this real desire to build something, anything, just build, and then that combined with this sense of enjoying the whole journey, the good and the bad, and seeing that as a story that you're writing. For me, the whole fun of it is that I don't know where it's going. In a way, it's like a, the vision that keeps on evolving. What you think you can achieve keeps on getting bigger. There's moments where you're not sure whether you're on the right path. That's what excites me. I don't know where it's going, and I think that's what attracted me in the first place. Absolutely, I think a little bit of crisis junkie and the thrill of the scary and never giving up seems to be a part of it. What problem, when you were thinking of this, what problem were you trying to solve? This was one of the challenges that we had early on because, in a way, we started the business the wrong way round. Really, because it's not like here is a problem and a set of customers that have this problem that we need to go and solve it for, and we're going to go and solve this problem. We started almost the opposite way round. We were like, we really want to start a tech company. Let's quit our jobs and start one, and then we'll see what happens. From that position, we're like, okay, so what are we going to solve? And we were then looking for problems and inventing problems, and I think. If it wasn't for the fact that, through a combination of circumstance and the fact that myself and my co-founders are like really stubborn individuals, we probably would have never ended up getting anywhere because the original and the initial problem that we tried to solve was much smaller, more constrained, and didn't really have legs. There was definitely this moment where we were working on this business idea. We realised it wasn't going to go anywhere. That fundamentally, the customers we were trying to help. Didn't care enough about the problem to really change their behaviour to solve it, and we were going through the YC program at the time, and it ends up in this thing called Demo Day, and you're there presenting to a room full of like the who's who of Silicon Valley, and Tom, Matt, and I, we were just like, well, we can't give up this opportunity. We have to present something on Demo Day, right? We're not we're not coming all the way here, and then taking a rain check on the kind of the main event, and we had to dig deep. It's really frustrating because we've learned all this stuff about payments. We've done all this hard work to get access to these payment rails and have banking relationships and get regulatory approvals and all this kind of hard work that we've done. And so we were like, well, we took a punt, right? We were just like, well, this was really hard. This was super hard. And the only way to collect payments at the time online was through credit cards. And so we were like, well, maybe there's other people that have this problem as well. Maybe other people cards isn't a good fit for. Maybe other people are also struggling to try and get access to this stuff that we've managed to work so hard to get access to. Let's just open it up for anyone to use and see what happens. That was like the genesis of the business, and we were just super lucky because that ended up being a really great idea, and we struck a nerve, and there was a lot of demand, and we grew really fast. And in the first like three years after that, 
we used to call it growth by surprise because every month we'd grow like 30 to 40 percent and we didn't have any sales we didn't have any marketing we weren't doing anything it was just growing and it was just like what's going on here it took us years to figure that out and so there was a massive dose of luck in that but we didn't really start with like a really grand plan of what we were doing i have to say it's so interesting you know as we talk to people i'm fortunate enough to talk to wonderful people who found companies how they get started it's a fumble bumble and so to hear different perspectives i think is so hopeful and helpful to folks out there Founding something is one thing. Now, leading, how did you learn that you were a leader? To be honest, I think I had to kind of, I had to become a leader just through necessity. It's something that I found quite uncomfortable. I mean, it sounds stupid, but I didn't really appreciate in starting a business what I was signing up for. I didn't think, okay, well, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to become a leader and I'm going to become a CEO and you know, all this stuff, right? It was just like, I started the business because. I was super excited about the idea of building something. To be honest, at that point, I'd never managed anyone in my life. I was two years out of university. I'd been an analyst building financial models for these big corporates, basically. So I didn't know what I was doing at all. And I didn't really know what I was signing up for. And, and it was definitely a transition that I found quite difficult and one that I found really uncomfortable. What's been your biggest learning curve as a leader? I've found always that I've got a tendency, and I don't know if it's just me, that I'm so focused on the thing that's in front of me, it's easy to get the advice on the problem right in front of you. You know, I have a problem with my sales team, we're not delivering the results we want, or we're not delivering the product fast enough, or we don't know how to do this. And then you go and like you try and solve that problem, and you go and talk to people, get advice. What is a lot harder is getting the advice on the things that you should be thinking about, but you don't know you should be thinking about. That's challenging. This whole transition, being a founder, becoming a leader, becoming a CEO, how the journey and the story of the founder evolves over time and the role of the founder in the company is important and something that I was personally shying away from. All of these things, they weren't on my agenda, right? They were, I wasn't thinking about them, but it really pushed me. And I think I became a much better leader as a result. Part of it is understanding your intuition, because there is a real good balance between data analytics, the logic of it. And then there is this unexplainable that if you go too far either way, you don't have a balance. On the side of getting good advice from people, what are some of the things that bubble up in your head that you listen to that impacted you? One time early on, it was a piece of advice that we got from Sam Altman, who was one of the partners at Y Combinator. His advice was building a startup is a lot like riding a wave on a surfboard. You have to just continue riding a wave and make sure you don't bail. And if you don't bail for long enough, then you will end up being successful. And that was something that really carried us through many moments of uh, the journey so far. And I love the analogy of riding a wave because that's, I mean, you can fall off, but then you just get back on your surfboard and you keep going. So even though you constantly feel like you're on the brink of failure, you just have to keep, keep pushing towards it. And it's that belief and discipline that helps. It's that kind of innate belief in the long-term success and your ability to have it. The thing about that advice that really struck me was embracing the sense of potential failure and being okay with it, especially early on. I mean, obviously, as you scale and you become more established, 
you don't feel like you're on the precipice of failure all the time. But early on, every week, if not even every day, where you would have a moment where you think, I don't think we're doing the right thing. I think we're going to fail. I don't think this is going to work. And there's so many moments where you just think, should we be doing this? Should we just quit? It's always kind of in the back of your mind. Even when things are going well, there's so much uncertainty. There's so much unknown. And there's always this lingering doubt. And I think that that for me was what that advice was about. It's all about squashing those doubts and keeping them in check and having that faith that if you just keep on pushing ahead, then you will find success. That was Hiroki Takeuchi, co-founder and CEO of GoCardless. GoCardless makes it easier for businesses to grow by reducing the cost and risk of collecting payments. They work with over 50,000 businesses around the world, from small businesses to household names like TripAdvisor and The Guardian. Join us next time on Think Like a Founder when we talk to Ryan Paul, founder and CEO of Indie Labs. We talk about the meaningful work, the value of relationships, and testing the waters. I'm Maureen Taylor. Thanks for listening. Think Like a Founder is produced by SNP Communications in San Francisco, California. Learn more by visiting us at snpnet.com or connect with me, Maureen Taylor, on LinkedIn to continue the conversation there. Series producer is Roisin Hunt, sound design by Mark Ream. Content and scripting by Mike Sullivan and Jason Drown. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena Persiani-Shell, Eli Shell, Matt Johnson, John Hughes, and Ren Vera. 